Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. We're here to share positive insights into human condition so we can live longer, happier, and healthier lives. And to help us in this journey, we look at the best peer-reviewed scientific literature. Everything I'm sharing with you comes from the National Library of Medicine from PubMed. And the first study is from Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. And they're talking about an article that they published in the Annals of Neurology. And why? Because they found something as simple, inexpensive, as eating more berries may reduce cognitive decline as you age. Now, this was no small study. It was 121,700 female registered nurses between 30 and 55 years of age. And they found that over a two-year interval, those who had consumed the most berries had the least amount of decline. And they were suggesting that you could delay your cognitive aging by 2.5 years just by eating the flavonoid-rich berries. Okay, that's good. But also, the person who's most likely to go out of their way to eat something like a berry because it's healthy is also more likely to be eating other things in their diet that are healthy. And the person that wants to get most of their fruits and vegetables that they need each day in a healthy way, they're more likely to be taking the right supplements like a coenzyme Q10 for their heart and brain and L-carnitine for their heart and brain energy and also to do some exercise. So once you get into a mindset that you want to be healthier, you're going to be more open to making some changes. And sometimes those changes are challenging, giving up the salty, crunchy, walking by a bakery and having that wonderful smell that we all enjoy smelling, walking by a bakery, right? And, uh, and that, that doesn't mean that I turn around and walk in the bakery and say, can you give me some of that, you know, that high sugar, high fructose, a corn syrup, a white processed carbohydrate, a donut, or bread? No. Doesn't matter, you know, that uh, I may desire something. There's also the idea of impulsivity control. Control your impulse. You know, a lot of people look at a pizza and suddenly their mouth waters. It does mean that you have to eat it. And even those who say, yeah, I'm going to have a pizza, but I'm going to do it with gluten-free, whole grain crust. I'm going to use fresh organic tomatoes and tomato sauce. I'm going to put in, you know, mushrooms, shocky mushrooms, bell mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, and red peppers, just like a regular pizza. And I'm going to put some vegan non-dairy cheese on it. And I'm going to bake it at a low temperature uh, dehydrator so it's still living food. Okay, well, that's smart. Now you got something that you enjoy smelling, tasting, mouthfeel, but you've put nothing in your body that's harmful. That's a very conscious consumer. And I'm seeing more and more conscious consumers. Yes, we have a lot of people who are still on junk foods and eating too much of everything that's wrong, but we also have a growing number of people who are making really positive choices. And ironically, a lot of them are in their 40s and 50s. And why? because they're more aware of their choices and the consequences of wrong choices. Because by the time you hit 40 or 50, you've learned enough about life, yourself, other people, and what you need to keep going through life with as much cognition, energy, health, vitality as possible. So we're seeing a lot of movement. I see a lot of people coming in fact, the vast majority of people are either younger people in their 20s and 30s who are coming even to a lecture on anti-aging. And why? Why are you here? You're, you're 22 years old. Because when I look at my mom and dad who are in their 40s and they look like they're 70 and they're out of shape and they're miserable, I don't want to be that way. I'm learning from their mistakes. They chose not to learn from their mistakes. I'm going to learn from their mistakes. And I hear this all the time. So good for you. Good for all the people in this audience who are saying, even if it, even if it creates discomfort to make change, I'm going to make change. So I'm preparing a lot of information that's going to help you in that journey, as you'll see over the next six weeks. 
from the University Hospital in Bulgaria, published in the Preview Journal of Medicine, if you are too low in vitamin D, you increase your risk of inflammation in irritable bowel syndrome, which is very common. And by the way, the study also revealed high prevalence of vitamin D insufficiency and deficiency among irritable bowel patients compared to healthy individuals. Malabsorption and reduced blood or food intake by people with irritable bowel also con- contributes to vitamin D insufficiency. So quite simply, get your vitamin D3 every day. All right, I suggest somewhere between three and 5,000 units. From the University of Massachusetts, exposure to chemicals found in many household products can lower the odds of getting pregnant, especially what are called the phytates. That's P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-S. Now, that's a group of plasticizing and solvent chemicals found in many household products, and that's linked to lower probability of getting pregnant, and, but not uh, to pregnant loss. This article was published in the Journal of Environmental Health Perspectives. It also noted an association between preconception exposure, violates, and changes in women's reproductive hormones, as well as increased inflammation and oxidative stress. So the takeaway message is, look, we all need different household cleaners. From the carpet cleaning chemicals, you can get them all natural now. You don't have to have any chemicals. From your shampoos and toothpaste and your conditioners to the chemicals that you use for cleaning your dishes and laundry. Look for those that are free and clear of any odors. Look for those that are plant-based and therefore you're doing yourself a big favor, especially if you want to have a healthy immune system and not have your, not have your hormones disrupted because this will disrupt estradiol and higher follicle-stimulating hormone across the menstrual cycle, which plays an important role in ovulation in the early establishment of pregnancy. From Grass University of Technology in Austria, a study shows that the microbiome of fruits and vegetables positively influences diversity in your gut, meaning you want a wide variety of healthy, good living bacteria in your gut. The healthier your gut bacteria, the healthier your immune system, healthier your immune system, the less susceptible to disease. It's that simple. So bacterial diversity in the gut plays an important role in your overall well-being. The crucial question is, however, is where are the sources of this diversity? Well, historically, we thought of fermented foods like sauerkraut and kimchi and, and uh, miso, tofu, tempeh, all good. So it's now known that an important part of the maternal microbiome, meaning the good bacteria, is transferred to the baby at birth. And the same happens during the breastfeeding period and, uh, and via the breast milk. But there's more. A team at the university from the Institute of Environmental Biotechnology at Grass University of Technology has now succeeded in proving for the first time that plant microorganisms from fruits and vegetables contributed to the human microbiome. And it was published in the Peer Review Journal Gut Microbiome. So, the more fruits and vegetables you consume, I recommend a minimum of five servings per day, ideally 10. And if you want to be super healthy, 12, that you're getting a lot of vegetable and fruit-associated bacteria in your human gut. And that means you're going to be healthier, have a healthier immune system. So, brand new information. So eat your veggies, not because of antioxidants alone, but because you're going to have a positive influence in developing a natural immune system through the microbiome of the fruits and vegetables in your gut. And finally, from Emory University, inflammation is linked to weakened reward circuits and depression. What's that mean? About one-third of people with depression have high levels of inflammation markers in their blood. New research indicates that persistent inflammation affects the brain in ways that are connected with stubborn symptoms of depression. And uh, 
such as the inability to experience pleasure. And the findings bolster the case that high inflammation form of depression is distinct and are guiding researchers to plans to treat this. Now, they're going to use drugs. How about this? How about looking at all the natural anti-inflammatories that you could take in your food, like red peppers, hot pepper, capsicum. That's great for getting rid of inflammation. Cat's claw, good for inflammation. Vitamin C, also good for inflammation. So there are natural foods, there are natural anti-inflammatories like curcumin, all right, and the omega-3 fatty acids. So the more of you these you take, you get reduced markers of like C-reactive protein, which is linked with a failure to communicate, uh, seen through brain imaging between regions of the brain important for motivation and reward. So just by taking in a diet that's rich in supplements and foods that turn off inflammation, you're actually helping prevent heart attacks through reducing C-reactive protein, and you're improving your capacity for proper reward motivation. All right? That's good to know. And that's it on health nutrition. We're going to take a, uh, a break and come right back. Please stay with us. And welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. Continuing with the overview of all the problems that we're having, major problems in the world, like global warming and, and the need for unelected individuals that you will never see, will never meet, know nothing about, why do they want to control so much of our lives? Why do they want to control what we eat? Well, because they, they create that. They create the food. They create everything. And so without the average person being fully aware of how much of their lives are under the influence of other people that they know nothing about, and why is, why is it that any of us should allow anyone, especially someone in a corporation, a foundation, um, or in the government, to control anything in our lives? It's none of their business what you do, what you think, who you vote for, what your religious belief is, how much money you have. None of that is their business, and yet they're making it our business. And yet we're supposed to have freedom of speech. Well, good luck with that. If you say anything that they want to designate as hate speech, and you could be telling the truth, but suddenly it's hate speech. You don't want to be confused. So they make sure that you're not confused by giving you only the right sources of information, like Wikipedia. I would never trust anything on Wikipedia, nor should you. I've written 60, 74 articles challenging Wikipedia's legitimacy, yet more people go to it to get information than anywhere else. They get there by going to Google. Do you trust Google? You shouldn't. Do you trust Facebook? Shouldn't. YouTube? You shouldn't. But you do. And I've been playing a clip yesterday about mass psychoses, how we become a nation willing to give away our rights, our freedoms, and our capacity for critical thought. So today I'm continuing that with two different important clips, actually more, but these are the major clips. The first one you may think, well, what's this have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything that you're happening now. For example, the Patriot Act, the, um, uh, the, all of the violations that you would be found guilty of if you just walk through an airport, like we used to be able to, run to a plane, get right on board, not now. TSA has the right to pat us down, to withhold us from getting onto a plane, to check, see if we have more than four ounces of a fluid. That's strange because now they have planes that are lines at airports for immigrants that don't even have to show ID. They're not checked for anything. They go right onto a plane. How'd that happen? Well, that's what happens when those in charge have a political agenda and it's gone crazy. But think about this. I want you to, and this clip exists, it's all over the internet. General Wesley Clark, that was uh, NATO's high commander, I think he was either a three or four star general, he talks about, and he's sitting on a stage talking about this, he said he was sitting in his office, and I'll paraphrase him very carefully, that one of his uh, ranking commanders came in and handed him a list and said, 
look here, we're going to be invading these countries. He said, why? I don't know, but they want to invade these countries. Who's they? Well, it was Donald Rumsfeld and uh, Dick Cheney, George Bush, etc. Who Who were on the list? Libya, Syria, Iran, all right, and other countries were on the list. But we had no war with them. We had no cause to invade their country. Didn't matter. And sure enough, that's what they did. Now, how was this possible that they knew in advance that they were going to invade these countries and later did so? What was the justification? 9-11. So the, all of the draconian laws, the homeland security, the uh, FBI and CIA having complete control over who they want to investigate without probable cause and without due process of law. In effect, you no longer have habeas corpus. You no longer have a Fourth Amendment right. Wow, and it only got worse. The more power that these federal agencies got, the more they kept for themselves, the less you have. In fact, telling the truth, speaking out is now, can be considered a crime, a hate crime. Just telling the truth because they determine through their foundations and think, uh, think tanks what is disinformation from real information. So virtually everything the government has been saying about anything has been wrong, and, and we can prove it. Like weapons of mass destruction, it's just one. Or COVID, everyone's equally susceptible, and children especially should get their vaccines. No children are not susceptible at all, and pregnant women should never get that vaccine. Everything they told you was a lie. So why in the world do you still believe them? And that's the reason for yesterday's program. That's the reason to show you that the, the so-called best and brightest are the easiest, easiest to have under this absolutely cult-like behavior. If you doubt me, I'm going to show you a clip later in today's program that will prove that. It's been there right in front of us all along, and we haven't paid attention to how to connect it. So we're going to go to a clip right now that's going to show you how easy it was to convince Americans that they should give up their rights for security, their freedoms for security. But we're going to show you something that no one in the mainstream media dare show you. We will. And I want to thank Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore, you did right on this by inviting this guy on. Let's go to the clip and you'll see what I'm talking about. How there is no scientific possibility in the world that a building that was not on fire, that uh, the upstairs collapses first and there was no destruction or fire in the upstairs part of building number seven, that there were hundreds of reports. I was at 9-11. I was at ground zero. And there actually someone, I don't know who it is, took a picture of me running down the West Side Highway and you see the Twin Towers there. I got it up on my website, I think. But how is it that all of these important governmental agencies and banking agencies were in Building 7 and how it all came down and it could only have come down by demolition. Do you know how long it takes to demolish a building? You just don't go in there in a matter of hours and bring it down. And yet they all heard explosions. All the firefighters, first responders, police officers, captains, lieutenants, they all said that they saw this in the Twin Towers. In fact, I interviewed uh, people from the Twin Towers who said that they were, they were downstairs in the basement and a door just blew up. This is before, before any implosion upstairs. So nothing they told us about the official 9-11 uh, investigation was honest. They left everything that could be implicating governmental agencies out of it. They controlled everything, just like the Warren Report. Now let's go, and this is information you have not heard, did not know, and it's important you know this because the same group of people, the same industries, the same operatives are so out there, and they're all connected. Let's go to the clip. So I don't know if you know, but Building 7 was the third building that fell on 9-11. So there was the Twin Towers that they say two planes brought them down. And there was another building that a plane didn't hit, but it fell into its own footprint. Let me show you how it happened. So for the third time today, and watch this. It's reminiscent of those pictures we've all seen too much on television before when 
A building was deliberately destroyed by well-placed dynamite to knock it down. And there it is. And that that's Dan Rather, literally, as it's, as it's coming down, falling into its own footprint, he goes, well, those buildings look like they... Like when we see a building demolished on television, like it's coming down. I wonder why it looked like that. You know why? Because it was. Wait, okay. Charlie Sheen, hey, when God. he said looks to me, they, he was the same as Dan Rather, Charlie Sheen saying hey, that? Yes. <laughs> Did they actually use the word brought down? And who was it that was telling you this? The fire department. The fire the, department. This is, and, a, um, there it is. These are all the different word, angles. Bring the, you see all the explosions? So those are, those are all different angles of Building 7 coming down. Here's another one. Now, the interesting thing, here's another version. Here's another uh, angle. Now, if you think if you think that building fell into its own footprint because a, a plane hit another building, I've got a vaccine I'd like to sell you. This is... So I just wanted to show you, this was predicted. That was So BBC, 20 minutes before that building fell, the BBC did this. Now, this is the only video I could get of it. I'm going to apologize for these graphics being there. But the BBC predicted they, they, were at, they were broadcasting in real time, and they said that Building 7 had already fallen. They called it the Solomon Building because it was owned by this guy Solomon. So let's watch this. I was talking about the Salomon Brothers building collapsing, and indeed it has. Apparently that's only a few hundred yards away from where the World Trade Center towers were. And it seems that this was not a result of a new attack. It was because the uh, building had been weakened uh, during uh, this morning's attacks. We'll probably find out more now about that from our correspondent, Jane Stanley. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building? Now, when they throw it to her... Building 7, the Solomon Brothers building, is still standing over her shoulder. And they're talking as if it had already fallen. So let's watch. Behind that, there's an empty piece of what was a very familiar New York skyline, a symbol of the financial prosperity of this city, but uh, completely disappeared is. now. And New York is still unable to take on board what has happened to them today. Presumably there were very few... So that was the BBC and on, in real time on television telling you that the Building 7 had already fallen when it hadn't fallen yet. They didn't know what it was. So, they didn't know what it was because they're from England, right? So, right. So watch this. So now this, was a, this is from Alaska. This is a news report debunking that. Well, it's been a point of controversy now for more than a decade. A researcher now from the University of Alaska Fairbanks is weighing in. World Trade Center Building 7 was not struck by a plane, but did collapse hours after the Twin Towers. Well, now the Dr. Leroy Holsey, a civil engineering professor at UAF, he led a four-year study which reevaluates whether Building 7's collapse could have been caused by fire, as was determined by the National Institute for Standards and Technology in 2008. Holsey says his findings were a resounding no, and his simulations paint a different picture than the federal agencies. So we virtually simulated the building, um, and then and we looked at that analysis, and we also virtually uh, simulated what they did. We couldn't get it to do what they were at. They they did. A group called Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth paid for the study. The organization is petitioning Congress to call for a new investigation into the World Trade Center destruction. A spokesperson for the organization says one of its supporters approached Dr. Halsey about the research, partly because of UAF's reputation. When we started talking to Dr. Halsey, it became very clear that, um, you know, the engineering program at University of Alaska Fairbanks was very strong. Uh, and Dr. Halsey was the chair of the department, and he had a lot of experience in modeling structures and doing forensic investigations, and so we thought it was a perfect opportunity for us to move forward. The study is now open for a two-month public comment. So how bad is the a job has the establishment been doing? There's, they've done so bad that even normies are looking into what really happened with Building 7. Every major narrative of the United States government is collapsing 
like Building 7. And let me bring on uh, Dr. Lerell Halsey. He is a professor emeritus of structural engineering at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, who has investigated the failure of the World Trade 7 building, Center Trade uh, 7 building, the third building to collapse on September 11, 2001. A recent study from Dr. Halsey and his colleagues from the University of Alaska Fairbanks challenges the official explanation for World Trade Center 7's collapse. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. So now, let me. So you have impeccable reputation. Uh, they can, the 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 people who are interested in this came to you. Were you? Did you have your own? Just watching it on nine eleven. Did you have any doubt that it was happening the way that the establishment news was telling us it was happening? To be honest with you, I didn't even know a building seven had collapsed. Oh, really? Really? Okay. I did not know that. You know, and particularly when they started telling me about this building, I said, you know, uh, I don't think I'm going to do this. So then they came back to me again, and I said, I don't think I'm going to do this. And then at, on the third time, I said, okay, I'll put together a proposal. I decided, okay, I'm old enough that if they take me out, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I said, okay, and I put together a proposal, and and they accepted that proposal to do the work through the University of Alaska Fairbanks as a research project. So through that process, and I uh, went uh, and, and I, I got it funded, then I looked at the normal way of doing things and looking for students to work with me. And I had a lot of undergraduate students that really, really were excited about it. But when they took it to their families, they decided they better not. They were a little worried. So then I ended up with two PhD students, both from China, and they worked with me. And, and they both are now teaching it in China. So, so go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. So I just wanted, so, so here is Building 7, and it's, as they said on the BBC, it's a few hundred yards away from the World Trade Center 1 and World Trade Center 2. So the idea that somehow uh, an explosion happening over here a few hundred yards away would somehow make that building fall into its own footprint is suspect, to say the least. Now, is there anything you want to say about this slide before I go to the next one? Well, I wanted, I wanted to, first of all, share with people exactly where Building 7 was with respect to WTC1 and WTC2. And this picture illustrates it in, in a in a, in a, not necessarily in a dimensional sort of way, but a visual sort of way to give a person an understanding of, of look at this building's only 47 stories tall. I mean, and that's tall, quite frankly, 2 million square feet per floor. Wow. That's a big building. A big building. So in, in reality, uh, what I told the uh, AE 911 truth, who was funding this, I said, I'll, I'll do the investigation but I will not promise that I'll tell you what caused it. I will tell you what didn't cause it. Oh, okay. Okay. I did not want to, here, here's the bottom line. There was no way I was going to get involved in any politics. This was going to be pure science all the way. Okay. And every, every day that we did a study, I asked my students, I hope you didn't read anything about this because we're not, we don't, not going to be, a fact, we're not going to let anything that's being published affect the science that we're doing. Okay. So next, should I move on to the next slide? Yes. So here it said, it says, W, this the World Trade Center, different elevation views. There's the 45th floor, the 19th, 16th, and 13th floor. And so what do, what do you want to tell people about this slide? Well, first of all, 45 is about where uh, we saw that there wasn't any uh, there, you'll see here later that they're talking about the penthouse, uh -huh. which is on top of the building. And, and, and it came down before the rest of the building. And what we, we spent a long, long time trying to determine what was going on with that penthouse. Cause it had so much uh, interaction for a lot of people as to what, what went on there. And a lot of people thought it, it was connected, I, I guess, to building to a, column 40, 79, which was down below. And in actuality, that 
penthouse collapsed before, which means that there there was not any fire that impacted that penthouse. Okay, so then one has to ask themselves what created that problem. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so you so, so, so when you look at the video of building 7 collapse, it collapses at the top first, not at yes. the bottom first, and Correct. you're saying there was no fire up on the 45th floor. No. Okay. So, you know, that that opens up a whole series of questions, does it not? Yes. You know, at the end of the beginning. So, so anyway, I'm done with this. I just wanted to show and also at 1916 and 13 or 50. What is it? 1916 and 13. Yeah. So we did a lot of work on floor 13 because this did. And, 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 and so then the question is, is where did the, where did all this start to occur that we see in these videos? Okay. So now I can go on. I just, I'm trying okay. to give a, people a bit of an understanding. Right. There's a lot of people that ask what was in that building. Well, this slide shows us by floor, floor by floor. So, uh, on the top, it was mechanical floors that I guess was the workings for the building. Then Solomon Smith Barney was on 28 to 25. Then there was Standard Chartered Bank. Then there was the IRS, Department of Defense and Central Intelligence Agency on, on floor 25, 24. And on 23 was the Office of Emergency Management. On 22 was the Federal Home Loan Bank of New York. On the 21st was the First State Management Group. Um, from 19 to 21 was ITT Harvard, Hartford Insurance Group. On um, floor 19 was the National Association of Oobsie Rabsy Commission. I don't know what that, that's a securities valuation office. 18 was the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Floors 14 through 17 were vacant. But on, on 11 through 13 was the Security and Exchange Commission and the Provident Financial Management. And then just below that was the U.S. Secret Service and then the American Express Bank. And now what is the what is the significance of that that is highlighted here in yellow? What is highlighted is the Security and Exchange Commission and the Provident Financial Management. What, what is the significance of that? Because there was a fire there. Oh, that's where the fire was. So so why not ask yourself, OK, if this is so important. How much paperwork is going to be laying around? So at the end of the day, we have to be confident that those that that those documents were locked up every day. If you if you if you put it on that question, just that question alone, the probability of a fire propagating, and it didn't propagate very fast through that whole system. I mean, we're talking about hours here of hardly any fire at all. So then the question is, is okay, what's going on there? So I highlighted it just to, to pose a question of thought. So you think they would have sprinkler systems, it would be really um, tightly managed, it's a really important uh, top secret kind of stuff, and they wouldn't allow it to just be susceptible to a fire, well, No, is, is what you're no, saying. No, they wouldn't. And even if it was a fire, if it was the other condition, and they did, the fire indications that are that they uh, they didn't scatter around. So what what's what was the uh, I guess the conditions for the uh, uh, what what am I trying to say? I'm 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 concerned about what was the fuel for cre keeping the fire burning. So you're saying, yeah, what was, they, they say office furniture. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> it was all blue spruce. <laughs> okay, should I go to the next slide? Oh, yeah, of course. You bet. So this is from your study, and this is the, uh, this is, I guess, a, a mock-up of the building, of this building. This is the actual building, and, and this is your mock-up. Yeah, I, and looking at it earlier today, I was thinking, you know, I should have made it the same width in, in terms of, the people talking, uh, looking at it, right? But basically, this is this is the structure, and it's um, broken down by two different computer programs to simulate precisely the erection of that building. And so, when when we look at this for a moment here, we're going to see that it begins to collapse, and we're going to compare my work against the actual footage that occurred that day. Okay, so let's watch that.
So here's what actually happened. Wow, you can see the penthouse collapse first. Which Absolutely, on both. Which doesn't make any sense, but here we go. Okay. So do you want to say anything about that? I just wanted to put this out here for this discussion to, sh to let people under see uh, how well we were able to compare our work in relation to what happened that day. Okay. So next slide. Yes. Okay. So now uh, here's another mock-up. Uh, this is the, this is the national Institute for, for what? National Institute of Standards and Technology. So yes. this this is their simulation we're going to show now. Is that it? That is correct against this actual footage on our left. Okay, let's watch. So this is the, how it actually fell down, and here's what they said happened. Well, that's not what happened at all. So this is what they're saying happened, and we can see that's not what happened. Correct. So they so just like the I don't uh, the vaccine came of you know, from a pangolin, uh, I mean, the, the, the virus, and then they got printed in Nature magazine. This is a con job. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff has turned out to be a con job just across the board in academia, like psychology. A big yeah. one turned out to be a big scam. Most so, people have been faking stuff for a while. So this, so this looks like, so this doesn't have any resemblance to what we just saw, correct? No, it doesn't. Okay. And, 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 more, than, and more important than that, NIST basically is in position to make sure that when we put up buildings, that they we have a code that protects the public. My profession is to ensure that when we design something, it's going to be there and it's going to stay and not hurt anybody. This, this is a remarkable – I mean, when the code doesn't get changed and you're saying it, all this stuff is happening – it just makes no sense. Yeah. So you're saying that a, a fire made this building collapse like this, and they didn't change the code afterwards? No, not in regards to the safety or any of that kind of stuff. Okay. If they're going to say it, there's got to be a change right. to, to improve it. But there's never been another steel building in the world that has come down because of fire. N never. Is that right? Especially in its own footprint. So yeah. here's a, here's the next, and this is um, so this is still the NSIS, uh, NIST. This yeah, and what I want to say about that is that they simulated to the right of this picture on my left, uh, basically the the connections of the columns to the beams, but they didn't on the left. So there's a difference. So you're saying here they connected to the columns to the beams, but they didn't here. No, they made an assumption. Okay. What's called pinned or fixed. And so that's between the two. And you'll see on this picture when it's coming down, that that line represents the two differences. Okay. Which doesn't represent the building. Let's watch. Okay. So this is your study, and here's the actual footage. Let's watch. So now what does that show us? It shows it's coming down in its own footprint. It's showing it's coming down in free fall. It's showing that there is something that enables it to come down evenly. In other words, through through its own gravity. Right. Drop. Okay. And fall into its own footprint. Correct. And mine simulates the same thing to within you know, I, I didn't drop it all the way down, but I, right. But anyway, it represents <coughs> what we're talking about. And so, should okay. I go next slide? Hell yeah. Okay, so here's this is your study, and this is the actual footage. Before we jump, look at the upper left of that. See that right that here? That was the penthouse coming down. So that's the, so. This is what actually happened through the forty-fifth floor. That's why I had that forty-five in there. Okay. That's way above any reported fires. And so, so that, that wasn't a fire. That wasn't a fire. Doesn't make any sense. No. And so 
and then it just falls straight down. Right. Now, I probably ought to tell you something about the building. If we look down on top of it, that building is not a rectangle. It's got basically a trapezoidal kind of shape. And I don't know if I put a picture in there to, to discuss that for a moment or not, but uh, I, I think I may have. Let, let's go on. If not, is it it's an picture? important is it this, Yeah. It, okay. Let's. There we go again. Same idea. Yep. <laughs> it sounds like they're looking at your graph. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that was... So well, that... there, there, there's been another study by a uh, physicist who also has done an evaluation of free fall. And my calculations fall right on top of his his verification of and so how the, it dropped. So the fact that it fell at free fall speed is significant because that means that there it, that there was absolutely no resistance in the right. in in the building structure and no steel beams, which doesn't make any sense. Correct that there wouldn't be any resistance because the whole building wasn't on fire. There was just a part of the building, so that part would get weakened, but not the part below it, and certainly not the part up in the penthouse. So that for for that to fall and free fall doesn't make any sense. Correct. Correct. And so, why do you think the NIST said that it that it did make sense? Well, I'm not going to go there. Okay. Because, All right. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, because. All you can say is it didn't. Like, why did they say why that? Why did they say it? that? Right. Okay. So, want to go to the next slide? Here's this one. Sure. Yeah. By a firefighter out of New York who was there that day. And he said, is it okay to contact you? And I said, here's my telephone number. Call me. And so, we spent about two hours on the phone and. I learned an awful lot about what happened that day because he was in the building when, for, for quite a while. Okay, so what did we learn? One of America, if not the world's leading experts in building design and structure for integrity and safety, had a whole team review Building 7 and found there was no plausible reason. There was nothing in physics, science, Nothing that could explain the collapse of Building 7 into its own footprint because the fire that was there was not a major fire. And as you heard him say, there's never been a steel building in history anywhere on the planet that collapsed like that from a fire. And yet, we are told, believe us, if you question it, then you're somehow an outlier conspiracy theorist. But keep in mind, engineers and architects were so outraged by these lies that like a Dr. McCullough or do other doctors when it came to COVID, they knew the truth because these are top physicians. And so they questioned. For that, they were, they were condemned by the New York Times, put on the front page of the New York Times. They were correct, by the way. History has shown them all correct, New York Times wrong. New York Times has not fired itself, gone out of business, which it should, and let all of its... Uh, so-called ace reporters and, and journalists uh, have a, one of those come-to-Jesus moments where they have to confess you know, how bad they are at their job. But that's the way it is. But that was the beginning. Based on 9-11, all lies, everything they said was lies. Even the, Remember when uh, we interviewed on this program at length a whole hour, uh, Colonel Wilkerson, who was... Uh, Colin Powell's uh, chief of staff, and he said that later, when he realized he'd been fed lies, Colin Powell had, when he went through the United Nations, and he was the final, final door they had to open. His credibility, his reputation, was what allowed the United States to go to war in Iraq and justify its uh, invasion. Over a million Iraqis died. You hear Dick Cheney, Bush, anyone apologize? No. No, and you won't, because power never voluntarily uh, secedes itself. And so everything we were told was the truth is now a lie. I'm only using that as one example, and that interview goes on for an hour. And to this day, nobody can explain how the building collapsed, because when you see a building, let's say, 
being demolished in Las Vegas. It takes months of planning. They have to go in and put the dynamite around the, the, on the different floors and in the basement so it falls on itself, so it doesn't fall over and hurt people. So it was not possible that happened by a fire. It was intentional. But that meant that people who were involved in the 9-11 had to have been controlling that as well. It's just we can't fathom. Our mind cannot accept that we've been lied to in such a way and perpetuated life. But look at the Kennedy assassination. The CIA is still withholding evidence all these decades. Why? What are they hiding? Just like they hid and lied about UFOs. There are at least seven known UFO crafts that have been whistleblowers have said exist, photographs have taken, dead bodies, because they wanted to use the energy as a weapon, not to help us, not to give us free energy, which theoretically it could. Those in power always lie. They're sociopaths, but they're a unique kind of sociopath. Isn't it amazing? You look at everyone who's guiding your life today, the Surgeon General, the uh, Anthony Fauci, the people who we look to on television for truth, well, they all lied. The agencies lied. The government lied. And then if you question them, in comes the FBI, in comes the Internal Revenue Service, in comes the police force that wasn't supposed to be there. But after 9-11, there was no boundary they couldn't breach. Now, I'm going to go a step further. Now I'm going to go something very specific. We're going to go from that uh, clip. Again, it's, I'm showing you the big picture and how it's interconnected, even though we're not consciously aware these things are interconnected. They are. Same power groups behind all these. Now, this, this uh, clip is interesting in that it's going to take a challenge at what America represents today. It's a challenge to what we believe is the truth, and what we're really facing is lie upon lie. This clip is called, Are We Living Through the End of an, an Empire? The answer is yes, uh, and that's because people are fighting back. People are pushing back. People are saying no. No to what? Well, remember how they had every advertisement on television about how good it would be if we all had 5G, and it was... Uh, program after program, advertisement after advertisement. New York Times helped sponsor that. They were part of it. Well, guess what? There's now a major lawsuit that has been launched against uh, 5G companies and uh, talking about its dangers. Do you remember the article I wrote, the most definitive, in-depth, scholarly article in the history of 5G and all the scientific studies? It was over 400 pages, 395 pages of footnotes, all from peer-reviewed literature, showing you 10,000 studies showing it was dangerous. Not one study and it's dangerous. Not one health problem was ever uh, talked about on any show in the media or in Congress. But they knew all this existed. They just control the media. And as long as you control the media, you control the message. You control the message. Anyone else saying something you can say is disinformation. And use social media to block them with algorithms. So if someone went to Gary Nall 5G article, you'd never find it. Now, you can go to Gary Nall and download it under articles under 5G. But I believe that information in that article was used in the lawsuit. We're contacting the law firm to see if that's the case. Now they're actually accepting that electromagnetic frequency causes all forms of environmental illness. That's at least an awakening. So now let's go to this clip about America and see if it makes sense to you. Throughout the well-worn pages of history, empires have risen, grown to prominence, and collapsed into the mist of time. The Roman Empire, stretching from the sweltering sands of Africa to the murky woods of northern England. The British Empire and her dominance of the Seven Seas. Radio Shack. All of these and more have become the stuff of legend, each with their own stories of success, expansion, and ultimately, collapse, unable to bear the weight of their inherent contradictions. But are all empires destined to meet this fate? And the question on everyone's mind, probably because it's the title of this video, are we living through the end of an empire? 
In this episode, we'll take a look at the precarious position of the United States and consider some historic parallels to assess whether the US is really in decline. Alright, here we go. I'm ready. Nope, that's terrible. Alright, I'm ready. Mm, ah, Rome. Or should I, or are we doing this as two takes? Okay, here we go. I'm ready. Ah, Rome. The empire all other empires aspire to be. From their breathtaking architecture, to their lavish feasts, to their penchant for feeding people they don't like to wild animals, Rome is truly the shining example of what other nations can only hope to accomplish. We can't really talk about empires or empires in decline without talking about the Roman one. And it just so happens that Americans, from politicians to far-right history YouTubers, love to compare the US to Rome. So, is there something to this comparison? Is the US the new Rome? In a lovely bit of cosmic irony, the first book of Edward Gibbon's ambitious six-volume work, The History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, was published in 1776 on the eve of the birth of a new empire, one that would go on to become arguably the most powerful in history. In some ways, the United States and the Roman Empire do have a lot in common. Behold, dear Petronius, my new Rome. An insatiable desire for expansion, extreme inequality, a globe-spanning network of influence, a penchant for chattel slavery, military dominance, and decadent displays of wealth. There have been countless books, essays, political diatribes, and social media posts earnestly comparing the United States to Rome, and often for good reason. Both empires were bogged down in endless wars, both displayed a shocking level of wealth inequality, both suffered economic crises that commentators in both eras were certain would spell the final end of the golden age of civilization. And if we're being honest, both had about the same response to disease outbreaks. Which is to say those in power let a whole lot of people die and isolated themselves as best they could. But we should also note that a lot of the people making these comparisons are only doing it because they have this weird thing about mythologizing the United States. It's a very young country, comparatively speaking. So what better way to afford it a little extra grandeur than giving ourselves the title of the New Rome, the shining city on a hill, the glorious republic that commands the world itself. That fits very nicely into the whole Manifest Destiny, American Exceptionalism thing. We'll get back to that towards the end of the video. But first, we need to address what the end of an empire actually looks like. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, the fall of Rome. Despite the popularity of the phrase, most academics have moved on from the term fall when talking about the Roman Empire. The consensus now is that it wasn't any single inflection point that triggered a dramatic collapse, but an agonizing, generations-long slide into a decreased standing in the world. There wasn't one single point where we could say, Rome was an empire yesterday, and today it's a failed project. We just have to say goodbye to our BA audience, and we will continue to top the hour on PRN.live. And don't forget, tonight will be one of the most powerful programs you've ever heard and seen on COVID. You're going to learn brand new information by Dr. David Martin. Uh, you won't want to miss tonight, 7 o'clock. All new information showing the conspiracy behind this. Now back to our program. The real world doesn't work like that. There were certainly some instances one could point to as chapter markers near the end of the story. For example, around the year 476, there wasn't really an emperor claiming the vast swaths of land the empire had once held with an iron fist. But if we're looking for a marvelesque announcement that Rome has fallen, we're not gonna find one. What we can trace, and it's easier to do so in retrospect, is a series of minor failures that go unaddressed. Crumbling infrastructure due to lack of investment, rampant corruption, severe inequality, dwindling trust in institutions or leadership, humiliating military defeat, or endless conflict sapping resources. These all add up to a very real challenge to the structure of an empire. To take the Roman example, the city of Rome itself had been sacked multiple times, but what really did the city in was when the supply chain failed. State-subsidized grain shipments on state-subsidized ships tied up at state-subsidized docks. Eventually, as the state was less able or willing to maintain these mundane but crucial projects, things sort of just fell apart over time. It's never one big collapse, it's death by a thousand cuts. Countless seemingly insignificant failures that together add up to an inability to function. A useful way to think about this can be found in Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy. 
which is now actually a really good show if you're into sci-fi. Much like Harry Seldon prophesied a series of crises along the path of the Empire's long and painful collapse, so too can we take a step back and see a handful of big red dots on the timeline of American decline. I don't want to spoil the show, but suffice it to say that it has a really good understanding of the scale we're talking about when looking at the process of decline. It's not a quick and dramatic collapse. These things take decades or even centuries, but the cracks are already there. And every once in a while, a pillar buckles. The Great Depression, the Red Scares and McCarthyist pogroms, 9-11, the 2008 financial crash and Great Recession, COVID, and now the handful of crises that have been simmering for decades and are coming to a head. The climate crisis and the collapse of US imperial control of the periphery. We're losing ground economically, militarily, and geopolitically to China. The US regime's steadfast support for the genocide of the Palestinian people has ensured no country in the third world will ever believe our rhetoric about self-determination and freedom again. Just like that, an entire generation of Americans disabused of the myth that we're the good guys. And this is where the usual Western analysis begins to fail. A lot of people make the mistake of attributing crises of empire to the failures or excesses of individual leaders or people or groups with influence. It's always the other team that's making things go wrong. It's Trump on immigration and LGBT rights. It's Biden on funding endless proxy wars. While megalomaniacs or senile old warmongers can certainly make things worse, the underlying logic of the system in which they operate is the determining factor in how the crises they lead us through are handled. Take COVID, for example. I know that we will achieve victory and quickly return to the path of exceptional health, safety, and prosperity for all of our citizens. Uh, we have to get back to work. Our people want to work. They want to go back. They have to go back. Follows a capitalist economic philosophy, the key consideration during the pandemic was keeping the gears of the market turning, regardless of the human toll. The prime directive of capitalism is the accumulation of capital, and if that means we have to sacrifice low-paid workers on the altar of profit, so be it. There was no meaningful difference between Trump and Biden on this issue, despite the two leaders being characterized as polar opposites by the media class. If you look beneath the aesthetic differences between the two major parties, if you ignore the bombastic rhetoric and empty posturing on social issues and look strictly at the economic base of the system we live under, it's clear that... Well, more on that on an upcoming program, but at least you see what he is talking about. And I think it's very important that we understand that where it took hundreds of years for the Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, the Mayan Empire, the Aztec Empire, all of these to decline until they no longer existed because of the internet, because of control, absolute control by different governmental agencies and the people behind those agencies, behind the politicians who control everything, it has accelerated at such an enormous rate. We went from thinking about chipping people to actually chipping people, thinking about surveillance to surveilling everyone, or even in your car. With it now in the new models, they're going to have audio video so they can see and hear everything that's going on in that car. They're having this smart, uh, smart appliances like your television, your radio, uh, your Wi-Fi. All of these will see what you're doing, hear what you're saying, they're already capturing everything you're emailing. So total surveillance, total control, going from the thought of a cashless society to actually going cashless. It's already happening in Australia and Europe and in Canada. Now it's coming here. The over-indebtedness of a society. We are the poorest nation in the world as far as our debt compared to our gross domestic income, meaning we have almost... 1,200% higher debt than we do income. So we're bankrupt. Not individuals, not certain corporations, but the average person, yes. So when you take a look, and he said something very profound there, when it comes to the Democrat Republicans, at their core, they're both the same. Capitalism and vulture capitalism. And if it means making people suffer by going homeless, having not enough food to eat, having homeless children, um, low wages, so be it. Because we more than enough uh, have enough profit 
that we're making each year that everyone could have a living wage, but we're choosing not to allow those people to have living wages. So this just to show you that we are now coming to that, well, we're coming to that uh, junction in life where you as an individual are going to have to decide, are you going to awaken yourself to these issues, see the interconnectivity of all these issues, and what control they have over you now and will in the future, or you're just going to do nothing as if this will pass. This is not going to pass. Everything is crashing. It's just not all at once. But watch it accelerate over the next two years. That's it for today. Listen tonight. You're going to hear one of the most powerful, important programs ever on COVID, 7 o'clock. Have a nice day, everyone.